we're in called The Good Life. And uh, if you've missed any of the previous two weeks of this series, I, I want to encourage you to go back and catch up. Uh, there's, there's really no excuse why you can't. We, we make it readily available for anybody. Uh, we have podcasts available um, multiple ways. If you use Stitcher or, or the Apple podcast or whatever, we're available on all those. We, we're available on our website, greenbarnazarene.org. And just so you know, uh, we're in the process of rebuilding our entire website for those of you that use it. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a mobile-friendly site, so you can use easily on your phone in the future and listen to messages online. Also, uh, we're developing a app. How cool is that? Greenbrier folks are going to have their own app, Greenbrier Nazarene app for iPhones and Androids, and uh, just a lot of cool things available for you out there, Bible studies, uh, sermons, series, um, calendar, you name it, we're, we're going to be able to do it. So we want you to stay plugged in and stay connected. Uh, we realize some of you don't know what a smartphone is, but we have DVDs available also uh, at the Welcome Center. You can sign up for those and order those. Those are free. Uh, and so uh, we, want you, we want you to uh, know what God's doing here. But uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to basically focus on uh, that chapter the entire time uh, we're, we're together this morning. Uh, but I want to start with a little question today because it kind of it kind of came to my attention, and I don't know how many of you are aware of it because you're all such great Christians and people of God. Uh, you probably weren't aware that the lottery got to like a record. What was it this week? 400 million. Some of you knew right off the bat, right? I know exactly how much it was. And the guy in Indiana that won it got like 360. It was the only winning ticket, I think, or whatever. Uh, I'm not condoning the lottery, uh, just so you know. But if you ever win, we could use that blessing at the church. But I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's dumb. But uh, anyway, as I was thinking about that and, you know, making all this hype about it, I thought, you know, what if, what if we won the lottery? I'm sure you've probably considered it before if you just, you know, walked into you know, millions and millions of dollars. How would that change your life? What would that look like? I, I mean, you know, we've been talking about the good life. 360 million would be pretty good, right? And, and so, you know, this morning, but I, I want to ask you this question to think about just a little bit. What if today before you left, you know, someone just handed you a million dollars in cash, tax-free, no, no, you know, ties, no hooks, whatever, but they just handed you a million dollars. What would you do with it? You know, and, and some of us, you know, we, we'd, we'd start coming up with ideas right away. You're probably already thinking, well, the first thing I would do is this. And, and for some of us, that might be a vacation, uh, right? We would, first thing we want to do is just take the money and run and, and get away. And there's lots of options if you want to do that. Here's one uh, that you could do. You could go to this, stay in this hotel right here. It's called the Hotel President Wilson in Geneva, and you could stay there for 15 nights for $1 million. That's like two weeks, right? And, and it's gone, right? Can you believe that? 15 nights for $1 million? Or you could stay in a Hampton Inn for 27 years, right? 
Hey, I like Hampton Inn. I'm, I'm all about it. So if you want to take a vacation, you can take a 27-year vacation at Hampton Inn and, and be all good. Or, or maybe, maybe you've got a sweet tooth and, and you've got a million dollars. You know, what would you do with it? Well, uh, you could buy 28 of these desserts. If you had a million dollars, you could buy 28 of these. These are the Lindeth Howe Country House Hotel Pudding. All right, with edible gold leaf and a diamond memento. All right, you could get 28 of these for a million bucks, or you could buy 4 million snack packs. <laughs> I mean, pudding's pudding, right? Who needs an edible gold leaf? Uh, but there are, you know, there's lots of ways that, that you could spend a, a million dollars if you have it, and, and honestly... But none of us probably going to get handed a million dollars today, right? I mean, most of us, no one's just going to, uh, you know, our, our rich uncle's going to get out of the poorhouse and, and, and hand us a million dollars. But the interesting thing is this. According to research, most of us in our lifetime will earn more than a million dollars in our lives as we work. So maybe the better question for us isn't, what would you do if you were handed a million dollars, but what do you do with the million dollars that you're going to earn in your lifetime to begin with? Okay, what do you do with the time? And what do you do with the talent and the money and the resources that God has already given you and you already have available uh, to you? And how do you invest those things for the greatest impact. And some people, what they do is, and uh, uh, actually a lot of people do this, is they will take their life, their one and only life that they have, and, and take this uh, you only live once approach to it, and they go and blow and buy and spend and just, you know, live it up and, and, and chase after this good life that we've been talking about. But at some point, I believe everyone gets to a point in their, their life where they realize that life is more than that. Life is more than a party. Life is more than going and blowing and spending and, and, and all this stuff. Because when you're doing that, all you're really doing is this. And I want you to think about it. You work, you earn, you spend, you die. All right? And, and so, you know, and if we're all honest today, that just doesn't really sound like the good life to me, does it you? And so what if there was another way to look at our lives, another way to look at all the stuff in our lives, and from a spiritual standpoint, all right, life is so much more than just being about spending, but it's actually more about investing, all right? The good life actually is more than about what we can spend or what we're spending, but it's more about us investing, investing in things that will last beyond this life, investing your time, investing your talent, your gifts to, to help other people, to bring glory to God and to bring goodness to people. That's good. That's good life right there. And, and we've been talking about this good life, and we've said that a lot of people think that the good life is something that happens to you, right? 
We think it's, it's the next lottery ticket. We think it's the next job. We think it's the next pay raise. We think it's the bigger house. We think it's the, the, the newer car, the more expensive car. And we think that the good life is something that happens to us. If I can just get a little more, if I can just make a little more, if I just had a little more time, then that would be good. And that would be the good life. But the Bible challenges us to rethink that. And that the good life is something that happens in you. The good life is something that happens through you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, so that's what we've been talking about. So let's keep going down that path today, okay? And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, Jesus tells this really cool story. Uh, Jesus is an incredible storyteller, right? It's one of the, it's probably the, the, what made him so effective in his teaching was the stories that he would tell that people could relate to and understand. And he gives us in this story a powerful, powerful illustration about life. And it goes into some great principles for you and for me about how we can live the good life and experience God's best for us each and every day in our lives. And so we're going to pick it up starting at verse 14. I want you to, to, to check this out. Jesus says this, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Verse 15 says, He gave five bags of silver to one of the servants, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. So Jesus tells this story, and he says this. Don't miss this. He says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. I'm about to tell you a story, and I'm about to give you an example of exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like. The master gets ready to go on a trip. He he calls together his servants, and he gives five bags of silver to the one, which would would have been a huge amount of money back in these days, okay? It would have been tremendous. It would have been like winning the lottery for this servant. Gets the five bags of silver uh, to another one. He gives two to another one. He gives one bag. And the people hearing this story, as Jesus is telling this story, they, they would have had a, a, an understanding at the time as he told this story that this was kind of like a profit-sharing plan, back in that time, okay? The master is giving them this money and the servant's role is to invest it, to manage it, to make the most out of it, right? To, to, to get more than they were giving and then they would share in the profits that they had made from the master's money. And so the master is generously presenting them with this, this huge opportunity, This great opportunity. Now, don't miss this. In the story, the money, the silver, wasn't the servants, was it? It wasn't theirs. It was the master's. He gave them bags of silver that were his. It was his money, but yet he gave it to them for them to manage. And so we see this principle, this first principle here today for our lives, and it's this, to have the good life, we must manage God's gifts. We must manage God's 
gifts. Now, Jesus' story here isn't just about a master and his servants, is it? Who does the master represent? Some of you are awake now. All right, the master represents God. The servants represents who? Us, right? And, and, and the master has given each of us different gifts and different resources and different talents and different abilities. And, and I believe it's way more than just about money, right? And some of you here today, you're, you're five-talent people. And none of us like you. <laughs> right? I mean, you can do anything. Brother Sanders was that way. For those of you that were uh, the, here before me, um, Brother Jim Sanders was our pastor. That man could do anything and do it well. I mean, he, he never ceased to amaze me what he could do. I, I, I've seen drawings that he would draw, paintings that he would paint. He could build anything. He built like a railroad in his house. I don't know how I many, you know, and he, he just, he was very athletic. He could do just about anything but protect his head. He always had a cut on his head. I mean, he just, something about his head, it was always bleeding. But uh, anyway, you know, and, and some of you, seriously, you, you're five, you're five, Talent people, you know, you got the five bags. Some of you are two talent people. Some of you are, are the one talent people, right? Some of you look around and say, I didn't get a bag, right? You know, <laughs> I'm like a point two bag person. Uh, but, but everybody, don't miss this, everybody receives something from the master. Everybody in the story, and the key is, to manage what we've been given. And, and the first principle of, of management is to realize that everything we have in our life is the master's. Everything that we have been given is God's. He has the rights to it. He's allowed us the responsibility. All right? He has the rights to it, but we have the responsibility. I remember uh, when our twins uh, turned, they were about to turn 16 years old, and, and they needed something to drive, and uh, they, they, wanted, they, they wanted a vehicle like most 16 years old, and, and I wanted them to have one, right? Spoiled or not, I don't give a rip. I'm sick of sitting in that car rider line, and so, you know, I want you to drive to school because that's crazy. And so, you know, we, we, since no one gave me a, a million dollars, you know, I couldn't afford two vehicles, so we had to find one that they could share. And so we started looking around, and I found this older model uh, Ford pickup truck, and uh, it had a lot of miles on it. It already had some dents and some scratches in it. It was awesome. I mean, it was perfect. Uh, it was like the perfect vehicle for 16 years old. And so we bought it, and, and we brought it home. And, of course, the first thing you do when you buy a vehicle for a teenager uh, is you take out the factory radio because that just isn't good enough uh, for a teenager. Uh, good stereo is priority for teens. So we put new stereo and speakers in it. The boys would fight, argue about who was going to drive, you know. Uh, life as a twin is always give and take. 
uh, fight. Uh, life is a twin is always a fight. And so, uh, uh, but anyway, but, but I want you to think about it. All right, so I, I, I bought them this truck, and I gave it to them for their birthday. But whose truck was that? Huh? <laughs> Mine. Right? It, it, it was my truck. I had given it to them, and it was their responsibility. My name's on the title. Right? My name's on the insurance. Right? And, and so I had actually paid for it, and so it was my truck, but it was their responsibility. Now, I would often have to remind them <laughs> that that was my truck, right? And their responsibility. And at any given moment, it could no longer be their truck, right? If they didn't drive it right or act right or, or do right, I could take it away whenever I wanted to take it away because it was my truck. In fact, they would tell you today that I am constantly and even still today reminding them that everything they have is mine, right? That food that you're eating, mine. I paid for it. That air conditioning you're enjoying is mine. I'm paying for it. That bedroom that you've been sleeping in is mine, right? And, and so it's your responsibility to clean it. Or you can sleep out in the yard, you know. You can have the yard. I'll let you have a spot in the yard, and it can be yours. But right now, that's mine. And so it's their responsibility. And, and you know, seriously, there is, there's a spiritual principle in that, right? Because God has given us everything, everything in our lives. His name's on the title. He owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, word says. It's all his. And one of the ways to experience the good life and to have joy in your life is this. It's understanding and knowing your house, it's not your house. It's God's house. He's just allowed you to have it. It's your responsibility to be used for his glory, to manage. He gave you your house to manage for him. So some of you need to clean up his house, mow his yard. Just saying, I'm kidding. Uh, your money, all right? Your money, it's not your money. It's God's money. He's just giving you the responsibility to manage it for him. He's left it with you. Your relationships, your health, it's not just yours. It's God's. And he's given you responsibility to manage it. And in Jesus' story, the master says, this is my stuff, and I'm giving you the responsibility to manage it. And, and I'm sure you noticed, but we just, we've got to go there. Did you notice that he did not give the gifts equally? You know, one gets five bags, one gets two, the other gets one. That's not fair. <laughs> All right? That's not fair. If I'm the guy with the one bag, I'm definitely questioning why the other guy got five bags, right? I'm offended by that because I'm American, and that's what we do. We get offended by everything, and then we protest and make signs and act a fool, right? I'm offended that he got five bags and I got one. I'm offended that Russ and April have the best-looking kids in the entire world, and I had ugly kids, all right? I'm offended by that. <laughs> they, my kids think they're good-looking, actually, but... When they were born, I honestly thought they were handing me two ETs. I didn't even know, but uh, 
No, my kids are good looking. They look like their mom, fortunately. But listen, here's the deal. We know from God's word. Here's what we know about God and what he does do equally. He loves us all equally, right? His word says that he loves us equally, unconditionally, no matter our background, no matter our color, no matter what. But here's the deal. And we just got to understand this too. He loves us all equally, but Scripture is also very clear that we're not all gifted equally. All right? We're just not. I mean, have you noticed that? We've all, we've all got different gifts. We, we've all, you know, got different ab- abilities and talents. In our story, the Master gives whoever He wants these certain gifts. And honestly, if we all had the same gifts... And the same abilities today, none of us would be here. We'd all be in spring training playing professional baseball, right? I mean, we all would because we'd all have the same talents and abilities and gifts. Now, God gave some of my friends and, uh, you know, the gifts and abilities to do that, but I didn't get that gift. You know, Philip got that gift, but I didn't get it. You know, Chick got that gift. I didn't. But God, you know, gives our neighbors and he gives our co-workers. He gives them, you know, certain gifts and abilities that we may or may not have gotten or received. And the temptation that we face is we want to look over the fence and see what the neighbor has. Right? Our, our temptation is that we, we you know, we, uh, that, we, that we face every day is that we have a tendency to look around and say, he got five bags. He got two bags. That's what I want. I want the five. I, I want the two. Man, if I just had what they had, if I just had their talent, if I just had their gifts, if I just had their looks, you know, if I just had their family, then my situation would be different, right? But don't miss this in the story. The master is the one who gives the gifts and distributes them. And the path to the good life is one where you stop looking over the fence. The path to the good life is when you stop looking at others and comparing what you don't have and you start looking at and focusing in on what you do have, the bag that he gave you, focus on that. And God, how do I make the most How do I manage well what you have given me? And when you start imagining what God has given you, you're then in a position to where you'll make the most of it, right? And you'll manage it well. And every single one of you has certain gifts and abilities, and they're tremendous gifts and tremendous abilities. Some of you are are, are gifted musically, right? You've got your bag of music. Some of us couldn't even borrow a bag of that, right? I mean, but some of you are are gifted uh, musically. And, and, you know, some of you are are gifted at art. I can't even, I can't draw stick figures, right? But some of you can draw beautiful pictures and you're gifted at art. Some of you are, are, are great at leading. Some of you are great leaders. Some of you are great at teaching. Some of you are great with organization and your closets are color-coded and that's your gift right use it for the glory of god you're great at encouraging 
You all have certain gifts and abilities, but yet we're still tempted to look past our gifts and see what other people have and then want that, want their bag of silver, right? But what if we reversed it and we start looking at what he's handed us, what he's gifted us with, what we're good at and the gifts that God has given us and trusted us with when he gave them to us? Listen, God knows us better than we know ourselves, all right? And he knows better than us what is best for us, all right? And, and, and so he knows that some of us, if he gave five bags of silver to, <laughs> we'd be at Geneva for 15 nights. <laughs> he knows us. He, he knows us better th- th- than we do what's best for us. And so I'm going to manage these gifts that he's given me, right? And not envy my neighbors because your gift is not yours. It's God's. You know, uh, I wish we would think about everything that we have in this lens of that it's God's. Because some of you have a tremendous gift. You have the gift of music, right? And you think it's your gift. But it's not your gift. It's God's gift that he's given you to manage for him. And to use for his glory. That's why he gave you that. Some of you have the gift of teaching. And, and, and it's, right, you have the gift, but it's God's gift that he's given you. And it's your responsibility to teach and to do that. So, you know, think about the gifts that he's given you in life. And, and one of the ways, and just real quickly, one of the ways that you can do that, because people ask me a lot of time, I don't know what my gift is. Or they will say, you know, I don't have a gift. And that's not true. God's word is very clear that every single one of us has given, been given a gift. And we have a talent as children of God. And so one way to identify that, and we talked about this this past Wednesday night in our Bible study. It's real simple. One way to identify your gift is this. What do I do well? All right? What is it that you do well? Because there's something that you do well. Now, it may just be talking, <laughs> but you do it well. Right? All of us can do something well. And then to go along with that, what is something that I do well that I enjoy doing? All right? What is something that I do well that I enjoy doing? And I told them Wednesday night, I said, you need to be able to answer both of those questions. Okay? Because some of you enjoy doing something that you don't do well. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, I enjoy playing the drums. Some of you have heard me try to play the drums. I don't do that well. That is not my gift. <laughs> I enjoy it, but I don't do it well. It's not my gift. All right? So your gift is something that you enjoy doing, and you do it well. And so it, it, it's that simple. All right? That's your gift. Identify the gifts that you've been given because these gifts have been given to you for you to manage. All right? They're your responsibility. Second thing is this. We're to invest God's gifts. The second principle that we get from this story is the importance to manage and invest. We don't just spend them. We don't just blow them. We don't just waste them. But we're to invest the gifts that God has given us. Investing it in something that lasts. Think about it. Every day, every morning is an opportunity to make an investment in what God is doing. Every day. 
Every morning that we get out of bed, we make the choice how we're going to invest what we've been given that day, our time, our talents, our gifts, our money, whatever it may be. We choose what we're going to invest that in each and every day. And in Jesus' story, these two guys with the bags of uh, silver, the five bags and the two bags, they actually go off and invest it. Look at this in verse 16. Jesus said, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. He doubled his money, right? Take that stock market. You know, and and then verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver, he also, he went and worked and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Why in the world would he do that? If this is a profit sharing plan, why would he take the one bag that he had been given by the master to invest? Why would he take that? And bury it in the ground. Well, we see the answer to that a a little bit later down in verse 25. And I want you to look at what the third servant says. He says, I was what? We talked about this last week, didn't we? I was afraid that I was going to lose it. Because I know me, (laughs) right? I was afraid that I was going to lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. So he's like, you know, no harm, no foul. I didn't lose it. Here's all your money back. I dug it back up. We're good, right? We're all good. And we're not all good because the master has some really harsh words for this servant who didn't invest these gifts that had been given to him to manage and invest. And the master takes the one bag of silver away from the guy who buried it. He takes that one bag away from him and he gives it to the guy who has 10 bags of silver already because he knows that the guy with 10 bags is going to manage it well. He knows the guy with the 10 bags is going to invest it. And so I'm going to give him more. And so in our lives, here's the deal. We have to move past the fear. Right? We have to move past fear. He says, I was afraid, and so I buried it. And I can't help but wonder how many of you here today have buried the talent that God has given you. You've buried the gift that you've been handed to manage and to invest. Buried some of the talents, the gifts, the abilities that God has given us. And the reason you've buried it is because of fear. Fear. Fear of doubt, fear of failure. I can't do that. I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You know, what, what, if, what if it doesn't work out? What if I try and it doesn't work? And so doubts and fears. Listen, here's the deal. Every opportunity that we are, repre- that, that we are presented means that we must overcome fear. All right? And so when you feel like God is is leading you to do something, and we talk about the next step in here a lot. You're not moving in your journey with Jesus if you're not taking the next step. So he's always calling us to take the next step. All right? And, and, And so, you know, when you feel like God is asking you to take that next step, you just got to put yourself out there and say, all right, God, I'm going to go forward. I'm going to take this step. I'm going to overcome my doubts. I'm going to overcome my fears. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try. I'm going to at least try. I'm going to at least try. I'm not going to bury this gift. 
I'm not going to bury, bury the talent that you've given me to manage and to invest. And I'll just be blunt with you this morning because that's just kind of how I roll. If you never try, you're never going to know what's going to happen. <laughs> if you never try, you've just dug a hole in the ground. I mean, if you don't try, you're never going to know what will happen. And let me tell you something else. You will never experience the good life that God has for you. If you don't try. If you won't be willing to take the next step. And the reason so many people won't take the next step is because they're afraid of it. They're afraid of it. So if we're going to invest what God has given us, we have to push through our fears. Do not be afraid. Right? Do not bury your time and your talents and your gifts. Because here's what the master says to the servant that did that. Verse 26 and 29, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. To those, let's pay close attention to this. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have a what? An abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little that they have will be taken away. And again, we read that and go, you know, that's not really fair, is it? Here's this guy who's got nothing, and you just took his one bag of silver away, and then you give it to Donald Trump, who already has 10 bags of silver, and he's like, thank you, thank you. It's huge. But here's the principle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Y'all really should not give me a microphone. Here's the principle that, let me use Jesus' words because then maybe you won't be offended. He says this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. How many would love to have an abundance? Huh? The rest of you are liars. Right? Yes. An abundance would be awesome, right? An abundance would be great. Who doesn't want an abundance? And a lot of people just go around thinking that it's going to magically appear. You know, the next uh, scratch. Right? It's just going to happen. Uh, and Jesus says, uh-uh. Here's where the abundance is going to come from. If you use well what you've been given... Even more will be given, and then you will have an abundance, right? In other words, you have to manage what you have, even if it's just a little bit, right? Your one bag of silver or your .2 bag of silver, right? Manage it well. That, that, this little bit that God's given you, and as you manage it well, here's what you're do doing. You're preparing to manage the more that he's going to trust you with when he sees that you can manage well what he has already given you. 
You're preparing yourself for what God wants to bring in to your life. But our mindset is so often this, when I get a little more, then I'll manage it well, right? I mean, that's how we think a lot of times. If I had a little more money, I'd manage it better. (laughs) If I had a little more money, I would invest it, right? If I had a little more time, I could manage my time better. But the biblical principle is you don't wait to get there, right? You start today by managing whatever little you have faithfully today. I'm going to manage it faithfully. I'm going to invest it. And then God will use that and he'll trust you with more. And in order to do that, we, you know, we're so good at making excuses why we don't want to do this, right? We're, we're really good at excuses. Uh, but, you know, we do it spiritually sometimes in our lives as well. You know, we'll be like, you know, all right, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to be honest with God. I'm going to do, I'm going to take care of this business that I need to take care of with God when such and such happens. All right, that's when I'm going to do it. Uh, or I'll take that next step that we talk about so much when I have more time. That's when I'll, I'll do it. Or I'll start dealing with all the debt that I have in my life when in I get that next raise or when I get some more money, right? And the truth is, is there is never a right time to start dealing with debt, all right? There's never a right time to get right with God. You just have to do it and start being honest with God today and stop making excuses, And once you stop making excuses, then, number three, we will receive God's reward. All right? There is a reward that is available to us if we're faithful to him and follow him. In Jesus' story, the guy with the five bags of silver and the two bags of silver who invested it. Listen to what the master says to them. In verse 23, the master said, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. What was the other one? Wicked and lazy. He said, wicked and lazy. Now he says, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling what? This small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. This is huge because a lot of us want more, right? We want the more that he's talking about here. We want more responsibilities. We want more of the good life, right? But here it is again, and don't miss this. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, and now you're ready for more. So what's the spiritual path to the good life? Manage the little that you have today well. All right? Be faithful. And then once you prove yourself to be faithful with the little things, then you'll be ready for the more that God can bring into your life. And the master says, let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate. There's a, there's a party. 
And for everything we invest for God and in others, don't miss this. There is a reward. And that reward is not something that only is going to come in the next life. And that's going to be a pretty nice reward, the one we get in the next life. But it's not just then. We also get a taste of it in this life when we share in the master's goodness, when we manage his goodness, when we invest his goodness. We experience it here. Listen, this story is not just about money. And sadly, a lot of preachers make this about money and make it a name it and claim it thing. And if you manage your money right, then you'll be rich. This is so much more than about money, although it does include it. All right? But I believe in your life, in my life, look at your time. How are you managing your time for God? He's given it to you. It's your responsibility to manage and invest. Wow. That kind of changes the perspective of what my planner will look like tomorrow, maybe. Look at your time. How are you managing your time for God? And how are you investing it? in the lives of other people on his behalf. Are you just spending it? Are you just blowing it? You know? Or are you actually investing it? Look at your stuff. Look at your stuff. Are you just taking all your money and your stuff and just spending it and going and blowing it? Or are you investing it back to God and into others for good? Look at your gifts and your talents. This is huge. Are you just burying the talent that God has given you, the gift that God has given you? And yes, you have one. And I believe he's already spoke to you today about what it is. And he would ask us today, have you buried your talent? Or are you managing and investing your talents for God and for others? Because when you do, Jesus reminds us, the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he promotes you. Right? You've been faithful with a little. Now you're being promoted. And you'll receive even more. And again, he doesn't say more money. Because it's never just about more money. He gives you more responsibility. Right? More responsibility with what he gives you. Because remember, the silver, the money, the gifts, it's all his. It's all the master's. He's the one who determines how much of it you'll have. We, you know, some of us think that we're great investors and we're like the smartest money managers. You're only going to have what he allows you to have. It's all he is. He's the one who determines how much you will be responsible for managing and investing. So, will you invest it and manage it wisely for him since it's his? Or will you bury it and be like the servant who disappointed his master? And I just want to tell you today, old story, great news. Right? 
familiar story that many of us have known since we were little bitty kids, but there are some great principles for every single one of us here today. And if we are faithful, listen, if we are faithful, one day he'll say, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate my good and faithful servant. And folks, let me just tell you something. That, if you're looking for it, is the good life. That's the good life. Let's pray. God, I just thank you again today for this opportunity that we have to be in your house and study your word together. And God, I just continue to pray every week that your Holy Spirit would take your word and these principles and what you have for us, that the Holy Spirit would take that and drive it deep in our hearts, that it would stir us, that it would make us uncomfortable, that it would offend us. God, your word is so powerful, and and this morning I, I believe you're doing a powerful work in the hearts and lives of these, some of these that have heard it today. God, it's just a, a powerful principle that everything that we have is a gift from you. And you've given it to us to manage and invest on your behalf. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you for making us more aware that our time and our talents, it's all yours. It's all yours. And It's been given to us to manage and invest for your glory. God, I pray that you would find us faithful in doing that as a church. Uh, I pray that it would never become about us. I pray that it would never become about anything more than just this good news. The gospel is the one thing that is most valuable that you've given us. The good news of what your son Jesus did on our cruel cross of Calvary on our behalf. God, we've, we've got to take that and manage it well and invest it well. We can't bury that. We can't bury any, any of it, but that is the greatest of news. That is the greatest of gifts that we have. Find us faithful. Find us obedient. As we go out from this place, God, I pray that we would uh, be aware of what you've entrusted to us and what you've given us to manage and invest into your work and into the lives of other people. Open our eyes so that we can see that and be aware of it. We love you so much. We thank you for your incredible love for us and what you've entrusted to us today. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.